Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to this free episode of Dunked On. Nate and Danny do their center rankings if you want to see text of their list. If you want to see the stats they consulted, including Seth Partnow exclusive stats. If you want to get the rankings for every other position and top 10 lists of all the players in the NBA, that's all available only on Dunked On Prime. You can subscribe at dunkedon.supportingcast.fm. That's dunkedon.supportingcast.fm. All right, continuing our positional rankings here and want to get to the center position, one which will be no doubt a subject of some controversy as the MVP debate gets down to the wire. Just want to let you know we are recording this late on Sunday, March 19th, and not sure exactly when this is going to run because we don't know how much longer we have Danny before paternity leave. So wanted to make sure we could get his opinion here in the book so i guess danny where we need to start here we've gotten through shooting guards through power forward still have point guards to go after this obviously anyone who hasn't been mentioned yet that's remotely has any size is going to be in this as a center but just generally what is a center to you it has been changing over over the years i mean i think that you can point to Jokic as a forerunner of this um but of course there are plenty of others um the idea that Typically, the center is your lead rim protector. Typically, they are your most efficient in terms of true shooting offensive player. That's more virtue of them taking a higher portion of their shots around the basket. But it's tallest guy, ideally your rim protector. But centers change. Like We talked about how power forwards dictate a lot of offense and defense, and that's just certainly true. Centers are doing that as well. And so the, the position is covering more ground than ever before, which is extremely exciting. Yeah, I think so. And a center, obviously, if you have a center that has kind of these extra skills for the position, that is what I've come to really believe it is very valuable. But then you also, because there's kind of like the sine qua non we think of, of the center position, which is that defense and rim protection. If you're not getting that from center, you're really, really going to struggle to find that at other positions. When we just went through power forward, we're like, all right, there may be like four or five power forwards that really make Make a difference as rim protect and so those guys are hard to acquire if you are not getting that rim protection at center you might be in a little bit of trouble now of course if you have defensive versatility and you can switch 
that is, is fantastic. You can guard more out on the perimeter. If you can shoot the ball on offense and space the floor, either to so you can play five out or allowing you to play a more offense-focused power forward, but who maybe isn't as good of a shooter. That's really useful. If you have guys that you can run the offense through as a passer, oh baby, like that's pretty awesome too. Although that's you got to be really good at that to be better than like a point guard would be at it. So there aren't that many guys I view as like huge pluses in that DHO game. And then a lot of those guys can't score well enough to really be respected to unlock their passing as well. So we'll kind of talk about some of those guys also. And of course, you know, if you can grab and go, if you can push the ball. So the the center position is so interesting because there are the idea of replacement level at this position. There are a lot of guys. And if you don't have someone who has one of these kind of extra skills, then it's like, all right, well, as long as we have someone that's even semi-competent, that's fine. Let's not put a lot of resources into it. But if you do have someone with one of these extra skills, then that could be an, an extremely valuable player. And on that line, something that I find so fascinating about the modern center position, a ton of talent at the position, but no one who really checks every box. And that's the nature of the league. But it's something that I just find so fascinating when you compare like the elite centers to the elite small forwards in particular, where they're, you know, the guys who are undoubtedly great, who will figure into our top 10 players, who will figure at the top of this list, like they have wrinkles in their game and that great players do all the time. But the idea that somebody who is a versatile defensive player and also has some juice offensively, like I personally don't believe that player exists right now in the NBA. The other thing that I think that is important is... Just if you have some two-way ability, if you sure. you can at least, you know, there are definitely a lot of centers who are offensive liabilities, not maybe as many as there were maybe 10 years ago or so, just sort of like that pure defensive center. That guy isn't as often found these days. Like you do need to have some kind of versatility on offense for most of these guys. The question, of course, again, is who do we want for the rest of this season and the playoffs? Or to clarify, for a new season, a new full 82-game season, and starting today and ah uh, yes thank you yeah I, th- I, I had that written down in my notes that must have been like years ago yes the rest of this season and the playoffs and the other thing to note too is there are many guys who are quote-unquote playable but you also have to consider that there are a lot of guys in the power forward category who can play up and play center at the end of games or in some of your best lineups and so a lot of those guys are going to be better at being a center than a lot of these guys are. So again, the, the demand at the center position compared to the supply is probably lower than at any other position because you do have other guys you can fill in or when teams want to go with a centerless lineup or something like that. And a lot of times going bigger against the centerless lineup, unless the guy's like a real superstar, it's just playing small seems to work better than playing big in a lot of circumstances. So let's get into a few more things about this here's some interesting positional averages there are and i mean yeah and these are the averages for guys who have played more than a thousand minutes at the center position this season the traditional basketball reference usage rate is 18.8 percent that is below the theoretical average if you split all the positions out but true shooting is well above the league average it's 64 percent league average is roughly 58 right now centers most of them, not all of them, don't take a lot of threes, don't make a lot of threes. 2.1% or sorry, 2.1 threes per 36, making just 23.4% of them. And that's an average. That's not a median there. You know, that's and it's not a weighted average based on who takes them to be abundantly clear. 
per well, Seth Parnos. Well, so, so let's let, let's go back on a couple of those first before you move. Sure. On. You, you kind of gloss over this. The positional average is 64% true shooting. Yeah. That is insane. And it's not even that low of a usage. Now, some guys like Embiid and Jokic and AD push that up some to be sure. But that's crazy. If you are, and the league average runner is like 58%. So if you are the average center who plays more than a thousand minutes has relative true shooting 6% above the league average. And so if you have a center is always oh, 60% true shooting, must be pretty efficient. Uh, no, actually that's four points below average for the position. Now, some guys are going to take more jumpers, you know, the, the to get the usage high they might have a lower true shooting of the whole lot <laughs> if it's nicole Jokic and joel bead not so much but so that's fascinating and then that three point percentage yes the average among guys who played more than a thousand minutes is 23.4 percent but that's because there are a lot of guys who are just straight up zero rudy gobert dwight powell robert williams clint capella kavan looney so if you take out the guys who are taking fewer than one three-point attempt per 36 basically the guys who never take them of the guys who do take them who have played over a thousand minutes I was actually surprised how high the percentage is, 36%. And of those guys, so how many guys are actually taking that many, right? 87 centers have played over 200 minutes. 22 of them are taking more than four threes per 36 and 34 of them are taking over two three per 36 and then 42 basically half of these guys take over one per 36 so there actually are more guys dabbling in taking threes at the center position than you saw previously but the guys that to me really matter are as from a spacing perspective are the guys who take more than four threes per 36 and remember that's power forwards take just a bit less than five per 36 so that's when you you can kind of think if you're taking more than fourth per 36 now you're getting kind of power forward level of shooting or more at this position like that's kind of my proxy for okay we got to get out here and guard this guy if he's taken that many of them and, and because this coach probably wouldn't let him take those unless he has a pretty decent chance of making them uh you're gonna get into the partner usage stuff though i was uh so per seth total usage of centers average is 24.7%. That gets split into 16.3 scoring usage, about six playmaking and 2.5 turnover usage. If you want to compare that, let's say to the power forward spot, it's a little tiny bit lower of total usage, largely due to a decrease in playmaking usage. The scoring usage is about the same. And when you think both positions have some guys that are pushing it up, but particularly the high-scoring usage centers are definitely pushing this. There, There's a lot more variance. I mean, there are plenty of guys that are below 11 10% scoring usage. Most of them play on the Knicks. So here are your guys who have double-digit playmaking usage at this position. Nikola Jokic, a ridiculous 22%. That's almost at the top of the league in terms of playmaking usage. Uh, he's averaging 10.5 assists for 36 minutes. Then you've got Sabonis, 16 16.2 he's averaging 7.4 assists per 36 minutes 10.7 is Alperin Shangun. 10.4, Carl Anthony Towns, although he played more of his time at, at power forward. And you don't have a ton of other guys, you know, like your Mason Plumleys, your Kelly Olenek, kind of more of your like decent passing centers are like 9%. But there's only so much you can do, be as a passer at this position if you're not also a good scorer. For Joel Embiid, for those wondering, by the way, is at 8.3% playmaking usage. And, and yeah, the positional average, 6%. I I think this is maybe the easiest position to rank. Would you agree with that? Overall, yeah. 
I mean, it will, of course, lead to arguments, and they're, they're, the, we will get into some of the existential questions about defense versus offense at this position. But overall, I think so, and in part because of this basic threshold where the question is, is this player good enough to be on the floor? Because remember, we're doing this on an, on, a, on an average team or like you could say like a mixed up league rather than their specific situation because it's not fair to compare players tying to them to their current situation. And as you brought up, power forwards playing center, especially at the end of games, is very useful. It can often lead to a better overall result. There are a number of good forward-sized players. So that becomes the lens for me for, to a certain extent. And then, you know, I've year, over the years talked a lot about the him alone test, which is primarily was created as an offensive thing. There is an element of that defensively as well. It's like if if this player is on your team, if you don't get rim protection, if you don't get those elements from a center, you would have to get it from somewhere else that's very hard to do due to supply primarily and due to the logistics of the floor. So if they're going to be so basically if they can't do that, you better make sure that you could do something else exceedingly well to be in that conversation. There are some guys who do. But so those points are big clarification. So it's how much do I believe in your defense? Does your if I don't, how much does your offense make up for it? And then kind of if you don't do either of those things, then you're gonna be in the pile with everyone else. And again, we this is something that's come up a lot talking about what sort of centers generally win championships teams that put a lot of resources into center haven't really done all that well uh, in terms of winning championships in the last 20 years or so since Shaq really and and even being like high-end viable champions even if they end up not winning it in that year like that's I would say the track record of that is pretty weak too yeah now Anthony Davis is now considered a center for us so that changes things a little bit although Anthony Davis plays differently than he did when he won a championship uh, back in 2020 he's definitely has become more of a center like i think he's the fact that he now is he played every single minute at center this year and he doesn't have the shooting range anymore to really play power forward in the modern game and also i don't think he has the same level of quickness as he used to defensively but yeah a lot of these guys and some people are really testing this this year demontis Sabonis would be the obvious one carl anthony towns maybe another one where although he didn't hasn't played this year but we did see him in the playoffs last year you run out of guys who are like elite championship level centers to me pretty quickly and then it kind of becomes i think we're we'll surprise some people as we always do with some guys who are just better support guys who can fit in around other players be pluses on both ends maybe add some shooting better defensively but also versatile defensively and not just a standstill rim protector around the basket those guys are going to get more credence for me because we still believe in winning a championship and that's but as being the most important thing and so you know i think for example you're more likely to win a championship with al horford as your center than carl anthony town now does that mean i'm going to rank al horford ahead of carl anthony towns I, I, probably not because there are most teams more teams in the league would rather have carl anthony towns probably than al horford but there's an argument that al horford is better on some teams than carl anthony towns you know that, that's just a, a, one way to think about this and why some more versatile guys are probably gonna be higher than some people think let's get started here now Danny, the inevitable debate. It's been this way for years now in both the MVP and in these rankings. We've gone back and forth, I think, between them. A season ago, I had Nikola Jokic number one and Joel Embiid number two in their own tier. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. 
cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well. I felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all of my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from. European wools, linen, cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns you can customize. Things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets. And you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. Level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com. Use the code CAPSPACE. Use the CAPSPACE. We talk about all the time here on the program. You get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino. I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O. Indochino.com. And don't forget that CAPSPACE code to let them know that you came from us. Who is your number one center this season? And again, there is the a- criteria are, let's let's just repeat this one more time. Sorry. Mm-hmm. This is, who do we want for a season that started today, including the playoffs? Including the playoffs. And it's, for me, it's still the same top two. Um, you can, there. we'll talk about Anthony Davis. I think that you could potentially convince me a little bit there. And Jokic versus Embiid, it is in certain ways a, you know, it's a, it's a styles clash. It's what, it's what you prefer. I ended up going with Jokic after plenty of consternation and internal debate because of a couple of basic things. One is Jokic is an unbelievable offensive force. The, what he has done as the lead, often singular offensive player, the Denver Nuggets I would say if you removed the centers have inferior offensive talent to the 76ers and their offensive rating when Jokic is on the floor is roughly six points higher. Like six points is a whole heck of a lot, even with this high offense environment. And Embiid has been markedly better defensively. And again, they're in the same tier. I I fully respect the arguments. Um, But Jokic has been better offensively. I think he's been, even though defense is more important for centers, I think Jokic has been better offensively by a higher margin. Also, he has been more durable overall. And this year, their minutes are closer, but that hasn't always been the case. And I hope that Embiid changes that this year. But Jokic's playoff resume, even though the Nuggets haven't defended particularly well in a lot of these series, Jokic's playoff resume is better than Embiid's. I haven't made a final decision yet. I'm actually leaning towards having Joel Embiid number one, despite the fact that Nikola Jokic is just having has gone to maybe even another level. 
I think he has. Yeah, some of the stats, 70% true shooting on 27 usage and the best passer in the league. And that is just the most efficient score on high volume. And to be clear, that is six points better in true shooting than Joel Embiid, or I'm sorry, uh, five points better, actually. Joel is at 65% and Jokic is at 70. And he had 10% less traditional usage. Uh, But Jokic well makes up for that with his playmaking and particularly the type of passes that Jokic throws exceeding uh, high value. So this is going to be interesting. I want to see if, if this makes sense to you. Okay. I believe that Nikola Jokic is a superior regular season player to Joel Embiid. But if both of them played in the playoffs the way they've played in this regular season, I would rank Joel Embiid higher. I think you are more likely to win a championship with Joel Embiid playing the way he's played this regular season in the playoffs versus Nikola Jokic with the way he's played this regular season. Even though a significant portion, and I mean this in no way to to denigrate Joel Embiid, he draws a ton of fouls. That is harder to do in the postseason. And Jokic... They're both, they're both, I mean, Embiid is markedly better defensively, but I mean, I think. No, so so I, I, this is, we're getting outside of my premise here. My premise is they play exactly the way they played this regular season. Now we can talk about how that performance would change in the playoffs next, but just as far as we're saying what they have been this regular season, I think Joel would give you a better chance, even though I think Jokic is a more valuable regular. I, I do disagree. And I think part of it is because. I think the Nuggets can score on anybody. And it's not the way that I usually think about things, but and, and it's not typically what I value, but there are exceptions for reasons. And I'm still a little bit freaked out, uh, and I hope he changes this, from that, that Hawk series a couple years ago where playing in a drop coverage, and this year's East, it's going to be less damaging because there aren't that kind of player. There are in the West, but there aren't in the East. Um, generally speaking, you're going to run up against dynamic pull-up guards like that. They're, they are an important part of this league. And in those circumstances, because... Neither one of them is particularly scheme versatile, but Embiid in particular, you can't you you can't do a lot of that stuff. Like when they try to bring him to the level of the ball and all that, it doesn't work well, as well. Any, I think he's better at any coverage. I think he's better at it, but the the margins get tighter. That's what that's the point that I'm making. And oh, yeah, Jokic is, we're in we're in disagreement on that, and that's fine. Like we we get, these are both incredible players with extreme strengths and less extreme weaknesses. But yeah, I I believe in Jokic's ability to create high level offense for himself and others in the playoffs more than Joel Embiid because he has done it, including doing it against high level defenses when he was shorthanded. No, and I that's a big reason why I still have some pause here because I do think Joel what he's done this year that exact same performance would travel better in the playoffs. I, I agree with you that Hawk series is not amazing like he. He hasn't really had to go up against a high level spread pick and roll attack in the playoffs in recent vintage. And I'm not sure how that would look. I don't think he defended poorly in that Hawk series. I don't think that their defense is why they lost that series. It was the inability to perform, particularly including his own uh, on offense in that series. He had some great games, but he also had the health issues. Now, so will Joel be able to replicate what he's doing now? I think I agree with you on the fouls. I agree with you on that he's going to be going up against better defenders. And also his weakness is still potentially his passing. Like he had a pretty big failure in the playoffs against Miami last year. 
So, of course, he was dealing with this thumb issue. He had the broken face for the second time that was bothering him in the playoffs. 21, it was the meniscus. So he hasn't really had, other than 2020, a healthy playoffs, but he hasn't had the track record of dominating the way he has in the regular season. And Nikola Jokic has been everything that he has been in the regular season and more. But I also, Danny, don't necessarily see Joel Embiid looking the way that the Golden State Warriors made Nikola Jokic look on defense last year. Yeah, that's fair. And and if it if it happens, I will be delighted. And it is a totally a totally reasonable interpretation of of events. You know, I, I believe in the theory of Embiid's defense better. But also, like, I mean, Jokic being the best player on a conference finals team, facing reasonable opposition, you know, like they that that I thought they were going to lose to the Clippers. And there were many times where it looked like they were. But Jokic was fantastic in that series. I thought he played very well in a losing effort again, at least offensively, in a losing effort against the Lakers, against the Warriors last year in a series they didn't really have a chance in. I thought that he fared very well, especially once he kind of figured things out against yeah. Golden State, which took some time. And so, yeah, I, I, again, I see your logic here. And in Jokic speaks less to my general philosophical bent when it comes to centers. And again, they're in the same tier. Like, I don't think there's a reasonable argument for these guys not to be in the same tier. And the whole point yeah, of that is the whole point of that. It means that we're, we're splitting hairs. These are the most interesting hairs to split though. So I think unlike every other tier discussion, this is the like in tier discussion. This is the one that's worth having. So I have Jokic there, but it's, it's yeah. so close. And I think Jokic is more likely to have the better playoffs this year than Embiid, but I do believe that Embiid has the championship upside now. Watch Denver make their way out of this totally shitty Western Conference that doesn't have a good team in it other than them at the moment. And you know, then they do get to the finals. People be like, "How do? What do you think that it's so hard to win a championship with the Jokic?" Like you know, they're they're on track to win 54 games in a team that nobody else, you know, conference or nobody else is even going to win 50. Probably maybe Memphis will get there. But yeah, so I guess I'm going to go with Joel number one. I mean, it's it's so though i and I, I think it's again this is acknowledging that i think nicole Jokic will probably have a better playoffs than joel Embiid this year then i went down to a tier two that was one man anthony davis same and davis i mean we could talk about why he's not in the same tier either direction he's not in the same tier for me with Jokic and Embiid, in part because davis doesn't have the offensive talent or scalability that those guys do i mean 34 percent total usage is still awfully high and he's he's efficient he's just not otherworldly like those gentlemen are and well davis has been very good defensively i don't think we're quite at 2020 levels for him where he was the most valuable defender in the playoffs and also unlike i mean Embiid misses time too but with davis you kind of price it in differently you know like it's it's going to be something it's he'll, he'll have the big injuries but he'll have small injuries too and just kind of throughout the time that doesn't matter as much and while he is a superior playoff defender obviously than the other two even if he's taken a half step back the difference in offense and the idea that he is not only a dependent player but an inconsistent player shout out to david luck on the offensive end is a real factor here and his ability to be a more independent player is much more in question now with the demise of his jump shot there's only so many shots right around the basket that you can generate unless you're Shaq or something like that and he does still get his usage very high and he's maybe the the best pick and roll guy of all time as a finisher I and mean, he's he's up there certainly in the top five ever and so he is able to generate a ton of offense that way and he can still post up a little bit but that's not 
not an elite offense, I would say. And he's not the same guy in transition that he was a couple of years ago. I don't think he's the same guy defending on the perimeter. He really hasn't been asked to do much of that this year. They're going with that more conservative buck style defensively through Darvin Ham. But he certainly, I mean, I would say we've seen in five, maybe 10 game stretches a couple of times this year, AD get to a level where he might be considered in the same tier with Embiid and Jokic. But then when you throw in the health and you throw in the inconsistency, he certainly is better defensively than these other two guys. You might even still make the argument that you could be more likely to win a championship with Anthony Davis because he is still more defensively versatile than those other two guys are. And if we were going to get the Anthony Davis from the 2020 playoffs or even the Anthony Davis who was in New Orleans, I think that guy, I might still actually rank him above Embiid and Jokic as good as those guys have been. But Anthony Davis is not that player. I don't think that he is either. And I mean, we're... I also I think it's worth taking a bit to to talk about why he's not in the tier below. I just have one guy next, and that's Bam Adebayo. Oh, and fi- finally came around on, on old Bam, huh? Oh, I mean, I think I'd have to go back and look at it. I think that's where I had Bam last year too. I, I had him third last year, AD not being a center, uh, and in the tier with Gobert. Um, I'm pretty sure you had Gobert and Town both. Of them yes, I you are you have so much better of memory on these things. I had Bam fifth in a tier by himself, so he's in the tier by himself but to Adebayo's immense credit he has moved above those two guys and it's just that and and Davis would have been above Bam I think on either of our lists last year it's just that we had him classified at a different position but the reason why Davis is over Bam there are there are a couple for me one is AD has been successful like more successful individual as an individual scorer but I would say more successful as an overall offensive player than than Bam and I I respect Davis's defensive versatility so like Bam part of the reason I've been lower on him than you and and then some is that I think he is phenomenal at what the Heat ask him to do. But what makes it hard to reconcile, it's kind of he's a different flavor of exception than Jokic and to a lesser extent Joel Embiid are in that I actually don't think Bam Adebayo is that fantastic at the traditional center defensive stuff. He does everything else so well that like, why would you even fiddle with that too much? But like this year, you know, and like Bam Adebayo has been one of the least effective rim protectors. Like, you know, like he's, I don't, if people have access, you know, look at the data tracking, he's, I believe like 575th or something like that in, in rim protection. He's in the, Valanchunas well, land. Is, this is Seth's stats. Yeah, Seth's I, I stats. mean, he definitely. Uh, now, this is the thing that I would point to in response there. Like, yeah, as a rim protector, just he only contests. 21.9% of opponent's shots, which is very low for a center. And the uh, when he does contest 65% shooting, that's also very low for a center. But this yeah. is what I would point to even more than that, is opponents only take 27 field goal attempts per 100 in the paint when he's out there. And that is just about the best mark in the league. And It, so, it is. And, and the other hugely important piece of context, which I'm mad at myself for not mentioning, is that part of the reason Bam is contesting so few shots is that he's not physically present in the paint all the time because they're running a different scheme because he's so good at it. so like it it is at least partially unfair but i would say fully unfair to blame bam Adebayo for not contesting more shots when they're telling him not to contest more shots yeah i mean he's one of the best isolation defenders in basketball yeah. of any position i mean what he did to trey young in the playoffs last year was just illegal in 49 states like he had him and he was the the key component of that and he hasn't been doing as much switching this year they've got a little bit different approach at times but i Obviously, he can play well in zones 
And again, I would have him as still one of the best defensive centers in basketball. Now you do, if you had to play, you know, just a straight drop coverage all the time, what would that look like? I have a feeling he would be better at it than those rim protection numbers imply if that's what he was being asked to do. And he was focusing on that. He just wholeheartedly agree. Like, yeah, he, he would be much better. And and like Bam doesn't have great like size and length, but he's good at angles. He does a lot of these things well. I, I And I want to be abundantly clear on that. Like I have Bam as one of the best defensive centers in the league bar none. Yeah. So uh, the offense is interesting. 59% true shooting. He has uh, yet again taken another incremental step forward. He's starting to get to the point where that upper paint area is a weapon for him offensively. Interestingly, we haven't seen nearly as much playmaking usage as we did for him back when he first became a star in 1920 a lot of that's because they just don't run as much of that pinwheel handoff style action so that was like a big plus for him now he's got you know his playmaking usage is really nothing special at this point in time so he's giving you some creation but only 59 percent true shooting that's as we noted five percent below the positional average now 25 usage so he is giving you plenty of scoring but it's not the level of efficient scoring that you get from the other higher usage guys on this list but the biggest reason why i and also bam i i thought and he's better this year especially with some of those his ability to create some mid-rangers but he can't really attack in isolation and pass at the same time like his passing is only good when he's operating at the elbow in like pass mode and then like i think it was last year that the stats of like the percentage of drives that he passed on was exceedingly low and he also just they really other than the one huge game I think it was game three that he had against the Celtics really just didn't do that much offensively maybe he will do more this year in the playoffs but he also to me I might have him as the best playoff defender on this list due to his switchability Miami is always just a bear to play against he's a huge part of that he was unbelievable against Embiid late in that series against the Sixers so whether it's defending in the post defending on the perimeter to be great against Trey Young and then great against Joel Embiid and you know it's not like Jason Tatum was going at him either like it was pretty incredible so I, I think just due to the the championship equity that he brings there just aren't that many centers that I like at the highest levels because of their lack of defensive versatility and Bam Adebayo maybe other than maybe Draymond Green the most defensively versatile player no arguments here that's part of the reason why even though I'm not the biggest fan of Adebayo's offense um, he still absolutely belongs above everyone else. And there are some very good defenders in my tier four. There are also some pretty bad ones, but his overall game, the way that you could put him in different places and do extremely well makes Bam Adebayo special and makes him fundamentally different from everyone below him on the list. And I, I didn't hesitate to have it. Like, you know, sometimes I talk about, I put a guy down and put a guy up. No, he is not in the same conversation with anybody below him. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. 
This next group is going to get weird now, though. There oh. are so many different types of guys. And again, if I if you told me rank all of these guys solely in terms of playoff value, my list will probably look quite a bit different. And not even playoff value as far as like winning a series, but championship value, maybe more accurately. Well, I, I, I have a different of, way. Yeah. I have a different way of putting this, Nate. But I think sure. it's good to put out here the list of players that I would unequivocally have out on the floor. You know, if you're throwing everything, you're throwing everything, everything like current team situation out because that's not fair to anybody involved. The full list of centers that unequivocally would be on the floor in any circumstance, that list is done for me at four. There are other guys who would, based on circumstance and their overall quality, but everybody else, there is a reason why you might not. And that is kind of incredible. There are lots of reasons why you would, but there are reasons why you might like why a power forward would be better. I wouldn't be quite that harsh. I mean, unless you unless you have like Draymond Green or like Jaron Jackson, even Jaron Jackson can't necessarily close the game at center. Like there aren't that many power forward that I would say I'd rather have this guy out there than Miles Turner or Al Horford. Like those are probably the two guys that come to mind to me as having like the most offensive and offensive versatility. Like th- neither of those guys has taken much off table i'd say but the rest of these guys yeah you do start to run into some weaknesses for either just a complete lack of shooting range or a little bit too immobile or even worse defensively so yeah you do start to run into some compromises here and that's kind of that's me again kind of saying the same thing that you were of just like yeah if we're talking about who's gonna be able to be on the floor with the fewest compromises in a conference finals or an nba finals yeah you do run into uh, some questions about it but uh, you know we'll see right like the golden state warriors are always and guarding steph curry that's always been the the big question and like do you have the defensive versatility to keep up with those guys well golden state's probably not going to figure this year and now it's about well can you guard nicole Jokic? that's a completely different sort of challenge can you guard good joel Embiid? that's a different challenge uh, jason tatum eh, okay you know can you guard Giannis? So maybe there is more room for a traditional center when those are the guys who are the test rather than a Houston Rockets, James Harden team, or, you know, Steph Curry. I wonder, like... Or or LeBron plus shooters. That was the other one that for so long is just, yeah, forget it with any kind of traditional center. Yeah, and my instinct is that somebody will rise to to kind of make that a new conversation because that's just just the way this league generally works. I don't know who that player is, but I I mean, I would would lean that... lean the direction of the last 20 or 20 or so years rather than there being and even jason tatum like completely lit up the bucks at times and brooke lopez at times like that's not another a guy that you're really too interested in playing a drop coverage against either right like there are who who are the guys like you're probably going to run into somebody that you can't play a drop exactly and that's the the part of the beauty of the nba playoffs and part of the reason why i love the format even if you know we're, we're doing this in the middle of the NCAA tournament, which I appreciate for what it is, but is that you you're going to face a really high level. You're going to face high level opposition that does a lot of different things. Just that's the nature of having to win four best of seven series. And so you're going to get tested. You're going to get exploited. And that's part of the fun here. So, so I'll let you yeah, let, I'll let you go first here, in terms yeah. of who's here. Oh, this was hard. Yeah, I, you know, we'll. So, Kristaps Porzingis, Miles Turner, Brooke Lopez, Carl Anthony Towns, DeMontis Sabonis, 
And again, a lot of this is informed by the idea that, as you noted, like none of these guys just about are totally ideal for the playoffs. And so that's why I'm going to say even someone like Sabonis, who I think many of the same caveats I said about Jokic's defense apply double, both because Sabonis, I think, offers even less rim protection than Jokic and also a little more mobility and also is nowhere near the unstoppable offense force that Jokic is. Towns, same kind of issues. But now we're getting to the point where it's like, hey, it'd be pretty fucking nice to have this guy in the regular season because there isn't anybody else that i'm like so fired up about having in the playoffs just about at this level so that's that's my group here i could be influenced to maybe put one or two more guys in this group too i don't think i would be influenced to dropping i have all of those players in my group as well um but i will add in the guy that i'm sure i'm having in this group is jared allen I believe in him defensively and Jared Allen is a dependent offensive player. He is an effective one overall. Like he can do good play finish. He can play finish. Well, he can be a, a a kind of a force driving to the basket and the Cavs playing with even more limited spacing, not even including Jared Allen. Like that could potentially be limiting things, but he can fit with a dynamic creator, which fortunately your team is going to have in the first place, because that's just the way these things work. I believe in Allen's, even if he's not the most versatile defensive player, I believe in his rim protection. I think we've seen enough of a sample now over these multiple years. I have him in the more in the defensive player of the year ballot conversation rather than the defensive player of the year winning conversation. But that's that's a high bar. And I think he'll be able to I hope we get the opportunity, but I think he'll be able to do the things that he does well in the postseason. And so for me, like, yeah, I wish you could shoot like Brooke Lopez. Of course I do. Um, I wish, I, you know, and and there are some elements yeah. there. But he I does think, punish smaller players, though. He does. Like, that's that's the one thing. I certainly rank him ahead of Gobert at this point, for example, for that reason. Like, I think he's he's really soft touch with those hook shots. He's he got the alley-oop game, offensive rebounding. Like, I, I'm hopeful he won't be an offensive liability in the playoffs. And then the other guy that I consider having in this tier, but I think I'm going to move him down, and I it doesn't sound like you're going to convince me to do anything else is Gobert. And with Gobert, like it's, it's interesting to compare Allen and Gobert on the idea that like Rudy's defense has not been up to the standard that it was in prior years. And this isn't even just the basic idea of, you know, different surrounding talent and all that type of stuff. Like opponents are shooting much better at the basket when Gobert is on the floor. And a, a lot of the other things, you know, it's the, well, when Gobert's on your team, you're going to defensive rebound well. You're not going to force down turnovers, but you're never going to foul. Like, a lot of those things have held true, but not all of them. And the other element that we just have more definitive proof on now, and this is probably the biggest reason why I'm going to eventually put him down, is that we have so much more data now that he's in a more damaging offensive player than we anticipated. And that he, you know, the, well, the he's also gotten worse as well. I think we can. he has also gotten worse. He, he doesn't have the same bounce to go get alleys or, or tip dunks. As he and, and the, you know, losing, losing the ball, not being the, you know, not being, being able to take advantage of mismatches in the way that like Jared Allen does. One out of two free throws every single time he, because what always that is like, he gets the ball, but then he like, Kind of bobbles it he can't go straight up and then he'll end up getting fouled and make one out of two you know yeah and, and we've saw at various different points over in the postseason over the last couple of years teams just not respect his offensive game like the mavericks i think did a fantastic job of this and were completely vindicated and rewarded for it and i see that differently than jared allen see that differently than brooke lopez and if go 
Gobert-worthy defensive force that he has been in his best moments, he justifies that difference. Like that, that's totally you. You will hate. You will take that and like it if Rudy Gobert is that player. Considering he's in his early thirties, I'm not completely sure that this that this is you know further off of his norm. Even if even if there's a regression to the mean, like that would happen from this. I still don't think that player is good enough to put him in the same group. So I have formally moved him down. Yeah, me too. And again, I think it's more likely that not being in Utah anymore, age, like I think he can maybe play a little bit better than he has because he's also had some nagging issues with the groin and the ankle. But yeah, I, I just, it's, when you consider his age and the fact that he's not in Utah anymore and that seems to have hurt him, like it's, and the declining offense, which that's that's not going to change. It would really take a lot, I think, for, for me to believe that he's going to be like so much better going forward alan and, and i'll throw nick claxton into this group too those guys if they have good playoffs i think they have plenty of potential to move up i just haven't seen enough from them for long enough to know how their games are, are gonna play i mean certainly their defense i think is pretty close to being really good in the playoffs like, like to good enough to where they've got enough versatility where i can believe they can be really effective they're not just pure drop coverage guys necessarily um let's talk about some of the other guys in that group though porzingis big time concerns about him defensively in the playoffs just too slow i think he's having a better defensive year really it's really more about his offense though and the way he can spread the floor at the five still a solid rim protector when he's in position as well he's been effective in isolation in a way that he was not with the mavericks we even were like hey if they he was this guy in dallas for that series against the clippers in 21 they probably win that series the whole hey just put a wing on him that doesn't really work against him that well anymore and he has rediscovered his three-point shooting which uh, of course abandoned him last year in dallas so he's just a very solid regular season player still worry about the injuries but he's made it through a full year now basically without anything major so you have to feel better about that i Uh, guess uh, guess having a separate guy uh reporting uh, directly to ted leonsis uh who runs the medical staff it's all Mm -hmm. worth it a wild stat to me and we i know we're dealing with a small sample size for carl anthony towns here the Total usage for Porzingis is roughly, it's close to Carl Anthony Towns this year. And now, at times, I'd love for Carl Anthony Towns to have a larger role in the offense. It's weird because he only played 700 minutes so far. But Porzingis being this big a part of it, and it's score usage, not playmaking. Porzingis still not, I mean, he's distributing, I think, a little bit more than he has in the past. But that's still, that's not where, where his bread is buttered. That really helps. And being in this group where all of the players who I like their defense better than Porzingis, I don't like nearly as much offensively. Like all that fits together. These are players that I trust more in the regular season than the postseason. So I have him preliminarily. Again, it's splitting hairs within the same tier. I have him at the top of this group in specific team situations. I could pick any number of these guys over him, including Miles Turner. Those guys have been joined for a long time. And I still believe in Miles Turner as a rim protector. He is also having his best offensive season. But there are there even playing with an extremely talented distributing point guard in Tyrese Halliburton. Miles Turner has some limits in terms of what he can be within a team's offense. And he's not the most scheme versatile defensive player either. So I think this I is think an, he's underrated. Actually. I, I would like hmm. to see him generally when I see him defending out on the floor. I think it looks pretty good. He just they've never had anybody who could switch who, who could reciprocate aside from him. So they've never really been asked to do much of that. I mean, I'm not going to tell you that he's like a lead in that area but could he be you know about the same as like gobert was you know, over the years or, oh i think he could be better than that sure yeah I, or, I, or maybe i mean 
well, I don't know. Rudy Gobert was a really good switch defender. True. Uh, against all but like the most ridiculous guys. Uh, but, you know, could he be similar to like Al Horford or and maybe even Jared Allen? Probably not Nick Claxton, who's a little bit higher level than that. But like, I, I think there's a possibility that I that I'm not ruling. And it's hard because he's had such a rough year, even by his own standards. I have so I have both Towns and Sabonis in this tier. Mm-hmm. To me, Towns, they're both immensely flawed defensively, as we know. Towns has been better offensively than Sabonis has been like in, in his career, not this year, than Sabonis has been this year. So I preliminarily have Towns above Sabonis. I could easily be persuaded the other way. I, I've been impressed with how durable Sabonis has been this year, how he's played through this thumb injury, which has made a world of difference for the Kings, but calf strains are different and everything else. But like for me, I also believe there's like there's an iteration, even though we haven't seen it of Towns, that like could conceptually be more viable defensively than Sabonis. It's a small factor. It's more of a tiebreaker. But when you're in the same group, ties need breaking. Yeah, I think Carl Anthony Towns, probably more teams would want him than Sabonis. I think they're both pretty flawed defensively. I would much rather, I shouldn't say much rather, but I would rather have Sabonis defensively, I think, than Towns. Oh, defensively. Gives gives a higher effort level. But yeah, offensively, Towns, you know, I am concerned that he had such a crappy playoffs last year and some of these crazy foul issues. You worry about his mentality as well when adversity strikes within a game or a series. Obviously, you just have to play. He can't play any kind of a drop coverage. He can't really switch. You're just very limited with what you can do with him defensively. And then they tried to bring in Gobert. We only have 21 games of it, but it seems like like him playing next to another center really limits him offensively as well, based on the available evidence we have. And then we also have had a lot of injury issues for him as well. I mean, this is a grade three calf strain coming back from. So that's it. You just wonder at this point about how well he, and it's amazing because he was such an Ironman earlier, but uh, how well he's going to age. Is he going to stay, keep himself in great shape? Those are all kind of questions that I have, but he's a, a dominant, dominant offense player. And if he can play center like you're off really really good and Sabonis uh, I think he this is the first year where I've really been convinced that he makes a huge difference for you offensively now this is with amazing shooting around him but he's uh, clearly uh, the on-off numbers show that he is extremely important to what they do and uh, his passing with those shooting like he definitely is a style you can play with him that looks really good it's just not all, all these teams are really that equipped to play that style and I also think while he does mash in the post he can often of rebound he's very efficient he destroys smaller players he also he's one of these guys who probably has the biggest difference in terms of his performance against good defenders or even adequate defenders as opposed to bad defenders like even just like like a normal center on this list can probably guard him and post reasonably well uh, because he is a little bit of a one-trick pony with that left hand and kind of his power game so this is definitely he is in the absolute best possible situation that he could be in right now I would say to look good and he's moved up quite a bit but I think there'll be a lot of people who are mad that this guy that I think I would be surprised if he doesn't end up as the third team all-nba center is gonna is number nine on this list I'm sure they will be and the the beauty of it is we'll get more information on Sabonis not only this year's postseason which will have an have an impact for sure but also next year's regular season and yeah where like is is this sustainable things will go differently for the kings just because every season is a crapshoot there there are lots of things that can change from trades to injuries to just running it back and so but he's had a fantastic year he absolutely deserves inclusion here and 
if you're going to get mad because somebody's in the in a tier with some damn good players and you and is lower within that tier, you're yelling you're yelling in the empty empty void because I'm not I'm not really hearing it. And if you're going to argue that Sabonis should be in the same tier as Bam or above all these guys, you're just wrong. Like he hasn't done that yet. No, uh, and it is interesting though, right? Because this tier with of five guys that I had and you you put Jared Allen in them as well, and I'm, I'm toying with having him there too. He's right on the borderline for me, but Porzingis Towns. And then Sabonis wasn't this player when he got that contract, but surely would get a max contract, you would think, now for King. And then you've got Miles Turner, who, you know, apparently didn't have that great of a market. Like, he got this renegotiation and extension, and so it's averaging about $25 million a year, I think. Correct me if I'm wrong there, when you consider the total amount of new money, including the renegotiation extension. And then Brooke Lopez is finishing a $13 million contract. And yet, I have Turner and Lopez right in this group. And that's just because there's so much better defensively than the other guys on this list who are solid offensively but uh turner and lopez can because of their shooting can kind of play in any system and now both of them maybe are shooting a little over their heads like that might be a criticism that they're not going to repeat this shooting and turner has been on the wane since he was shooting in the 40s for like the first two three months a year uh and lopez is at 38 but that's uh, above where he's been he's also old enough you'd think there'd be a decline although <laughs> he's uh, maybe having his best season here crazy but yeah and we've also seen brooke lopez admittedly against weird poor competition but he's, he has won a championship as the starting center and he is the starting center on a very very good team and i think that miles turner if he had the same talent around him as brooke lopez could perform similarly there's also the element that both those guys can fit in well as a complementary player offensively and you don't like it, it's great to have a center who can do what sabonis can do and of course if you could get Jokic, then by all means you do it um, but this will come up later, like offensively gifted centers actually have a higher, like they have a higher threshold for a lot of this stuff because you have to make up for those things on the other end. And so Sabonis is here for now. And I hope that he can expand his reputation for this, but generally speaking, when you get to this area, it's kind of like, to me, the gravity, the gravity gets stronger and it, it starts it, because it's so hard to maintain consistent success as this type of player, Jokic has, and others will in the future, but it's it's super duper hard. Yeah, and we'll get a nice little test of, of Sabonis in uh, these playoffs coming up here. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. So the next group, Gobert, we already mentioned. Nick Claxton is there, too, one of the most improved players. He rocketed up this list, what he was able to do defensively. And probably my biggest concern about him, there's two of them. One is the free throws, and the other one is just too thin physically, even a level below, like something like Jared Allen. And so I just wonder, like, how well he can, like, he can't guard Giannis even, not to mention, like, him beat. Like, that's kind of a problem. You know, they're just, you'd need a 
little more heft from your center in a lot of these matchups as much as i love the versatility that he has being able to switch and the reduction he's shown uh, well can i can i add one more oh i'll add one more concern with claxton and this is sort of one of the differences between claxton now and for me is that i love improvement and i will move a player up but i'm generally not completely sold after a single season like especially when it has not see what he looks like without kd and Kyrie around too exactly so if claxton does exactly what he did this year I could see moving him up significantly. I, I guess significantly meaning into one tier better. I mean, it would take a lot to get into the BAM level. But there are a lot of players. like And, and especially when you think about like contracts, as you brought up before. like That would be great for Claxton. He could absolutely earn that. Just like, I mean, there were times last year in the postseason that I thought Robert Williams would. But his durability concerns, the way he fits within an offense, you know, he is a pure play finisher, but he doesn't really, can't really do anything more than that other than a couple of time loop passes like that is a concern but i i can't for me i can't put williams lower than this group because of how awesome he can be defensively rim protector and he you know he does what he does well on offense he just doesn't really do more well, well uh, let me let me talk about him because i have him in the next group down okay i can get i'll get you some of the other names in this group in a second but for me the durability concerns are pretty big and then he also when i have seen him this year when he has been out there sensibly healthy you know he's, uh, he's missing time again with the hamstring issue now you know he had two surgeries on that knee i'm kind of sad about this too but he has not had the same athletic pop like he still has been very important to their defense been effective he's been a solid defense player but i thought he was just an absolute like game-changing defensive force at times last year and i i he's still been good but i haven't seen that for him so when you're talking about can't play that many minutes don't know how often he's going to be available he i think he had knee issues even before getting into the league all sorts of durability issues he's really only had like two seasons he hasn't i don't think he's actually had any seasons other than where he's made it through the entire year without injury and so that that's if you yeah give me the guy who played last year's regular season before he got hurt and tell me he's going to be healthy oh yeah he wouldn't be he might even be in like the five to ten ring but i've got him instead down in this group that's 17 to 25 because i just haven't seen the same guy and also you don't know how often the guy who has been there this year is going to i get that i i guess i just don't have the heart to do it just yet (laughs) i i I, I feel you i feel you i mean there's there's also a chance he could he's coming off surgery he could uh, get back to that level i mean even even when he was on one leg in the finals he still was maybe arguably their most important player from a plus minus standpoint let me tell you who else i have though in this group from 10 to 16 sure that i I already got to alan claxon and gobert i got four more guys in there deandre and i still had to put in in this group i think his defense just has not been that great this year i mean remember last time we were doing these rankings he was much higher uh he was i had him in the five to ten group last year and some some other guys turner lopez sabonis porzingis have moved up ahead of him still a solid offensive center but the him being a guy who can create offense for you it it seems like it's never coming the inability to get to the following because touch is great but hasn't really been much of a force in the impact metrics uh, where he's just slightly above neutral and actually 
below the positional averages on both offense and defense in EPM. And he is also two points below the average in true shooting this year. 23 is usage. That's nice. But he's taken enough mid-rangers. He hasn't had quite the same touch on those. The three-pointer hasn't developed. He's shooting 29% on 0.5 for 36. So that he doesn't really add that element yet. He's been over these years in the absolute best system that he could possibly be in to generate shots averaging 0.9 blocks per 36 not very bad as you've detailed in the 15 and 60 in the rim protection metrics now do i think that he can play better than this yeah he did it just last year and i do think he adds some value as far as a one-on-one defender in the post although i think he is overrated as both a pick and roll defender and a switch guy and he got toasted by luca in the playoffs last year defensively i have a I still think, yeah. yeah i have him in this tier too um and one of the reasons why i didn't feel any worry about putting him higher is the idea that you know it's funny we're recording this a few hours after we did the over-unders and I actually thought of a parallel which is that Aiton he's one of those guys who doesn't I don't see this iteration of him at least having that like 55 60 win potential you know like he's he's a solid player but I don't I don't think that he's going to be the fifth best center in the league next year I'd love to be wrong I don't I don't necessarily see that coming so and I don't know I don't think that'll ever happen and that's my instinct uh, too you can also argue that uh he's at kind of the mentality where he got paid and eh, you know he's not having as good of a year definitely notable um i'll let but, you finish still out your the potential still the potential for two-way play that you have and, and the guy that he was last year was either this group or higher and for a player this young totally fair to think that's coming back I have two more gentlemen in this list. These will be the two most controversial, no doubt, in this 10 to 16 range. Walker Kessler and Wendell Carter Jr. I have Walker Kessler here. I have Wendell Carter one tier below. Um, I've always thought of myself as higher on Wendell Carter than you. Um, so I'm interested in, in, you might be able to sway me here because I've, I've liked Wendell. I'm a little bit lower. For me, it's the reason I'm holding him down is offense. Yeah, he's a, a little bit below average in terms of his efficiency. But part of that is because of the shooting element that he brings and he's not quite at the point yet he's like right on the borderline of do you get guarded or not averaging right now 4.6 three-point attempts per 36 34.4 percent from three and actually has a higher traditional usage than you might expect 21 percent and 61.5 percent true shooting that again is below the traditional uh, the average of the position but when you throw in that he's taking these threes and his usage is a little bit higher like that's that's fine to me i don't consider that a demerit he offers some playmaking ability that's probably underutilized on this magic team because they just don't have enough shooting to really play that dho game like you can just go under on all the guys he's handing off to and there is no space to like find guys back door or anything like that but i think that's a, an area of his game that he can provide in a different setting and then defensively maybe not absolutely elite in any one area but also has a lot of versatility he can play any system they've done a lot of switching this year and he's been reasonably effective there he's a reasonably effective rim protector he's got enough strength to hold up under the boards and in the post you want to play a drop coverage he he could do that well enough he's got the mobility to get out on the floor so really what this is more about is other than maybe like his explosion finishing inside although he's gotten better at that i think he just can do everything so well that he can fit in in any kind of system and also he's young enough to where i think a few things could take a step forward for him so that's why i like him is just it's almost more the lack of weaknesses than the magnitude of the strength that's fair 
And I, for me, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit more in the I'll fully believe it when I see it. The numbers on shots that Wendell Carter contests, like the uh, opponent shooting on those, is a little bit higher than like a you know 63%. You'd like that to be a little bit better. I'm not as concerned about the sh- opponent shooting in the restricted area overall. Um, just, and the context for the Magic has been a little bit convoluted this year, and. You can see, to a certain extent, Carter's value in absentia, where their defense largely fell off when he was unavailable. You know, like there was that stretch where the Magic just looked really bad this year, and it just happened to coincide with when Wendell Carter was available. And, I mean, they're about roughly three points worse on defensive rating when he's off the floor. It's not as much that as much as, like, when I've watched them. I, I'm just like, I think you you might be right a year from now. I'm just not all the way there yet. But it's, So I'm keeping him down, but it's an interesting argument. I have a couple other guys up well, so, here. So we got to talk Kessler, right? You said yeah. you had him in this group? Yeah, I did. Let's talk about him. Kessler, so the rim protection, I f- firmly believe is real. Like, I, think, I think Kessler, Walker Kessler he, has he's done. He's one of the like three to five best rim protectors in the league. Yeah. The eye test will tell you that. He's had huge blocks on guards at the end of games. He had another one on Saturday night or Friday night. I was watching. Yeah, I just Grant Williams isn't a guard, but yeah, he, he did block him at, at the end. He got Isaiah Joe and that Thunder game that I was at a couple of weeks ago. So, like, yeah, that that rim protection is incredibly like that is. I, I I mean, I saw it just even watching him in an ancillary fashion as we were watching Jabari Smith Jr. tape. Like that is, and because you say yeah, putting a rookie this high, like how can you do that? Like, no, that is real. I am very confident in that. I mean, whether it's, I mean, can we just go through some of the stats uh south i know he's averaging uh 3.6 blocks per 36 which i believe leads the league i mean he's his stats walker kessler is currently i believe kessler is is it third in rim protection wins for the for the season i think there might be there might be some cells that are missing a little bit anyway he might be third or fourth is, is in in that range Kessler. And I'm sorry, Jaron is Jaron and uh is number one at three point nine six. So, sure. so Kessler's sorry about that. And um Walker Kessler, he's contesting forty-three percent of opponent shots. That is awfully high. Opponents are shooting a little bit better on them than like a crazy like a Jaron or a Brooke Lopez, but not dramatically so. And overall, when Jakob Pertl is on the floor. Jazz opponents shoot 55.6%. Jakob Pertl. Sorry, Walker Kessler. Apologies yeah. to Walker Kessler. <laughs> I was like, man, that's... I was, my, my, old, my old young player who had rim protection obsession. And, <laughs> we'll, we'll get um, and, and so overall, Jazz opposition, 55.6% in the restricted area when Kessler's on the floor. That's very low. That is exactly what you want for a defensive player. And so, yeah, a lot of that, I think, is real. I don't necessarily think Walker Kessler is the most scheme-versatile player out there. And his role within the Jazz offense is very low. But A, I've seen some like kind of potential offensively. Like I think he can make better decisions with the ball in his hands than his, you know, trade partner Rudy Gobert can. And he's a talented, capable offensive rebounder, can do things there. And so like I, I think that Kessler, A, you need to build out the sample to be higher than this. But in terms of like, can you fall? One of the things that I like to in this, like kind of I think of this as the definite starter range is do you have something you can hang your hat on? And Walker Kessler absolutely does. Yeah, I think that's right uh, with the rim protection. And you know, if you look at the advanced statistics, like this is about where he deserves to be. Hasn't played as many minutes, but really since the beginning of January when he became a starter, he has been. You might think, oh, like the fouling, like he can't stay on the floor. Like, no, it's actually 3.7 fouls per 36. So that's, you know 
right along the lines with uh, of other guys who play a lot of minutes interestingly enough rudy gobert is at 3.6 you know sabonis is 3.8 like that's that's a totally sustainable number to play a lot of minutes he's at 1500 minutes now uh his offensive rebounding is quite a voracious and i think he is a much more efficient finisher in fact he has the oh uh, there are actually some guys with some crazy true shooting percentages on this list actually so there really are it's i was like oh 70.7 percent true shooting like that's he's got to be like near the top now there's like you know, gafford is 74 percent robert williams 74 percent dwight paul 74 percent but still very solid and uh like he's got pretty decent hands he can it's not only alley oops which he can go get a little bit but he can actually you know finish around with some reverse layups uh, take a dribble if if he needs to so he's not like he's not quite gobert level uh, in terms of like a, an offensive player I, I think he's a, above that at least at this point in time so i i like I and mean, i think he's totally acceptable as an offensive center you know a rim runner type and like dominant defensively like he re- like he is at the same level as like a brooke lopez defensively and does it hasn't shown quite the offensive offense range or done it over a larger yeah. sample well I, and i'll also say in the post to brooke lopez i, I agree yeah like, I, I think of it more like i think kessler has been better than jared allen as a rim protector but i think allen has been to me a stronger overall defender they're in the same ballpark but like and that's great like, i mean with kessler he could continue to get better generally guys that are this good at a young age do yeah. But um, I mean, he's he's basically been he's made the Jazz defense like they are four point eight points per one hundred better defensively when he's on the floor. Like that is a very good number, especially when you consider they uh, don't have a lot of defense talent, or at least they didn't until the trade. That now they actually have a few guys who only. Played. I, I will mention that they did have Jared L or Jared Vanderbilt before the before the deadline, but um, yeah, he, although he never played with Vanderbilt, right? They, they did uh, in some ways that you could argue that strengthens the case because they they didn't defend as well when I believe when Vanderbilt was on the floor as they have with Kessler as the lead guy. I want to throw out a couple other players that I had in this conversation um, just to kind of just to kind of work through it. Did you mention Al Horford? Because this is where I have him. Uh, Only briefly. Okay. So you do have him here? I do. Yes. Okay. And I mean, his three point shooting numbers are uh, pretty good. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm a little concerned. I mean, you go back to the early part of the season. The Celtics didn't defend it at near their level when Horford was playing center. But and they have plenty of surrounding defensive talent. So like but there there's enough that you could see as potential variance. And he can also he can also play power forward too. like that. Absolutely. And he can do it. He's viable there offensively, which is which is another part of the reason why, because you're you're thinking about adding this player to your team it's better if they do it as in some ways as a center but the more versatility a player has in some ways especially when you're at one end of the positional it's not a spectrum because it doesn't go all the way around but like at one end of it it's better if you can slide around because then if you have one of the guys above him on the list you could still have a damn good team and we saw the celtics do that of course last year so yeah i have horford here the ones that i was murkier on that we haven't meant are, are incidentally the ones that we haven't mentioned so far and that was Click Capella and Mitchell Robinson. Mitchell Robinson is an interesting case because part of the reason why, like, for example, the all-in-one measures do not like Mitchell Robinson is that he has an exceedingly small role within the New York Knicks offense. I don't believe personally that the margin between him, so like Mitchell Robinson is at 11.5% total usage. That is stunningly low. The difference between that and let's say, I don't know, you want to use Clint Capella. Clint Capella is at 18.2 or you could use. Yeah, like he, he could he could be Clint Capella in a different system, I, I think. Yeah. 
And maybe, maybe that like, efficiency and, and goes part of why he's at eighteen point two is he's maybe a little more aggressive than he should be as well. <laughs> but and and maybe Mitch Robinson would take a small decrease decrease there. But like that role within the offense would be would I, I think he could do I it, the, for me that is more scheme than talent like the reason there. And then Robinson he's he's done well for the Knicks defensively. I would say he's done well overall over the years. So I, I mean, his the rim protection numbers overall this year aren't fantastic. I will, I will openly acknowledge that he is more of a shot blocker than a rim protector. But I do think that he is a capable rim protector. Not the most scheme versatile, but like so, I, him and Capella, I had in this tier, but I am open to moving them down if you can convince me. Yeah, and there is a little bit of we've never seen any kind of really ball skills for Mitchell Robinson. So if he was the screener in a spread pick and roll rather than just hanging out in the dunker spot, what would happen if they put two on the ball and then? he has to make a decision like he, he never touches the ball base it's all cardio so we don't know for sure but yeah like i had him in the next group because he's still it's like he's not like absolutely elite defensively so i had i think he's more akin to Jakob purtle clint capella zubats uh, his backup hartenstein where just kind of below average offensively and like solidly above average defensively but probably wouldn't you wouldn't really want him closing games on like a really good team so um so all those guys i have in this group and then i have a few others who are somewhat different archetypes uh but any disagreement so what is it that separates mitchell robinson from some of the names that i mentioned to you if you're gonna have him in a higher i really like robinson's offensive rebounding and i i think that he also like he's been a part of some successful defenses and i think that's been as a material as a material positive and you know I've seen enough from him as a rim protector. This I mean at some point I'll have to figure it with with the Yakapurtal. So yeah, I think I am I am reluctant reluctantly going to move him down. But I was torn on this in the first place. Um, it is it is a really close call for me. And like it and the hard thing is that I don't think we'll see some in the playoffs. But the biggest thing that I would like to see just isn't going to happen because he's still going to be on the Knicks and that like so we're not going to get that evaluation counterfactual, which is a little bit unfortunate. Uh, anything further that you want to get into? Capella was the other guy that I was torn on. He like I think the problem is one of it is like scalability, and I'm not seeing his defense at quite the same level as before. Even though like I don't think he's the reason that the Hawks have been have been disappointing defensively. He's had a better year than I expected this year, actually. But uh, yeah, he's a little on the downside at this point. <laughs> also, like not being able to make free throws. Yeah, that that the free throws actually are the biggest are one of the big reasons I'm going to move him down. Yeah, so it, it's just yeah. It, it, and like, and I don't think these guys have quite the like Walker Kessler is in kind of a similar mode to these guys, but I just think Kessler's rim protection is a level of, above what your Pirtles and Robinsons and Pollard are getting. Yeah, he's been better this year than basically all of those guys have ever been. Even if we don't necessarily think all, you know, like even if it's ninety percent of this rather than a hundred percent of this, and it could even be that he could be better moving forward. Yeah, I think it's fair to have Kessler in a different tier. Also, by the way. Kessler and Gobert being in the same tier for both of us. Oh boy. So in addition to the guys I mentioned, Robert Williams was also in this group. There are a few other different types of players that I couldn't necessarily differentiate, even though they're not the same, because I do still think of them as solid starters. Whereas the group below, I'm kind of more in the like semi starters. Like, you know, you, you, yeah, you can get by with this guy just fine. Is he really that much worse than the guys above him? But I do think they are demonstrably worse. So here, here are the guys that I also, I do want to just do the full list, but start with the guys that you said before just to make sure everyone's on the same page yeah yeah so we got mitch robinson 
Pirtle, Capella, Zubats, Hartenstein, and then uh, and then Rob Williams was in this group for me too. Better player maybe, but the durability issues kind of held him down. And then I actually finally decided to give Stephen Adams more credit than I've been giving. I have him here too. The advanced numbers are unbelievable. Stephen Adams is actually right now fifth in EPM among centers, and I thought he held up very well against Golden State. Now disturbing that he couldn't hold up against Carlin Town, and there is a lot of defensive talent around him you know if he were not playing next to jaron jackson not playing next to kyle anderson like he was last year not playing next to dylan brooks not playing next to maybe brandon clark what does that look like if he's the center and you just have you know like a jay crowder type of combo forward next to him yeah you know that's a little bit of a concern he gets a ton of offensive rebounds definitely but also can't really convert them he's one of the lower true shooting percentage guys can't make free throws either but he's also a wonderful screener like so that's something that doesn't get reflected within total usage or basketball reference usage but really helps the team and i've i have i've acknowledged like i mean going back to when we had those discussions on the valentunas adams trade I did not sufficiently appreciate those elements that he brought into play. And we've seen it with John Morant. I mean, he's clearly been better for them than Valanciunas was. And defensively, yeah, he doesn't have the mobility that he had earlier in his career when he actually had some switchability, but he can execute more aggressive pick and roll coverages pretty well. He can't be that bad if if they're like, you know, the best defense in the league and he is really part of that. And yeah, I mean, like he really, now granted on certain teams, this wouldn't be the case, but playing with John Morant, and Russell Westbrook before him like he was an offensive asset and is an offensive asset and they missed him dearly during this period that he's been out that was really the beginning of uh, this Grizzlies free fall so again there's I think there are he's he's a guy who's in his absolute best circumstance you don't necessarily want to judge a guy there kind of the same way as Sabonis but oh but one thing I want to add in with with Adams you brought up that he fits well with these point guards that's where the NBA is you know like the idea that if he Mm -hmm. makes it better for these high pick and roll point guards that that you know not every team operates that way but most do so he's going to help out a lot of teams yeah and you're like man and like he can barely even dunk anymore and like you know how is he not an offensive liability well he sets the first screen and gets the guy open and then he rolls into his own man and screens that guy off and then if he you miss the layup then he gets the offensive rebound so he has enough gravity just with his physicality that like, he's not an offensive like, he, he's helps you score in, in a variety of ways Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. 
Moxie Kleba is also here for me. We moved him to center this year reluctantly. I think he's he's just slowed down a little bit defensively at this point. Still, though, if you and he was closing games at center, like it's still arguably he could be a power forward. The durability concerns, both in terms of injuries, in terms of declining athleticism, because he is very reliant on his athleticism defensively and offensively too. Like he used to be like a pretty good finisher at the basket, like get some dunks. Now he just stands point line the hard. And also just that he's never been a guy who can play that many minutes if he could play more minutes and i trusted him to stay healthy i would actually have him in the group above and now he's kind of now it's like wendell carter jr is kind of like the new moxie kleba but he might not be quite as good a shooter or quite as quick defense i actually have kleba one tier down from this i'm just, i i haven't loved everything over overall hopefully with the injury like we'll see a good playoffs and everything else i'm just i'm not all the way there just yet it's just just the skill set it just enables you to play so many different ways he's one of one of the very few guys in this list who can actually be a plus at either the four or the five who has enough offense and defense to do that and the offense mostly in the form of the shooting so and i think just he was so important to how they played last year in the playoffs it's just that he can fit in anywhere on any team and that that really means a lot and then the last guy i have here is one nikola vucevic who quietly is actually having a a pretty good season uh, yes very much at the bottom in Cess- rim protection numbers but that hasn't totally stopped the bulls from being adequate defensively although they of course have benefited from shooting lock and it's a lot of it forcing turnovers which he doesn't do a ton of but now he's actually making shots this year he's having his best most efficient season as a post-up guy he can also distribute so i, I think he still is a solid enough starting center i have him towards the bottom of this group but i think he still needs to be in here in a way that the guys below him he's just a clearly to me a class above this next group below him. i have him in that group below in part because i always have a little bit skeptical when a guy has a career year with this this deep into their career this came up mm-hmm. with jordan clarkson and stuff before and the idea that yes vucevic the bulls have been better defensively this year with him on the floor than i expected but in part it hasn't as i recall i haven't i didn't dig too deep into the stats to do this it hasn't necessarily been because of the things that you would think he would do well you know like the the idea of like it's you know the they've had some opponent shooting luck and all these other things and so like i i can see the argument and the the other guy who was hard for me to not have in this group we have a pretty similar a pretty similar set of characters was kavan looney but i think looney's taken a real step back defensively this year um inability to stay in front of some guys and the warriors have you know at times they've been good defensively this year but i think we've seen some of looney's limitations because like when when he's the lone like i mean when he when he's playing without Draymond Green, he doesn't anchor things as well as some of the guys who are above it of, above him on this list. So yeah. I mean, it's just he's just getting worn down. I mean, that's yeah. the like there are times earlier this year. It's right, like every Warriors player has had really good moments this year, and they just have never all had him at the same time, and that's how they end up five hundred. Yeah, I mean, the player that he was in the playoffs last year, yeah, the, you could probably convince me to put him in that higher group uh, because of his switchability, and I just uh, he hasn't been able to demonstrate the ability to stay in front of guys the way i i thought that he was able to in last year's playoffs so that's that's why he's now in this next group for me of guys i called the this is the i labeled this tier one way semi-starters and the one way isn't that good 
Yeah, I my group it's it's a smaller actually group than I had maybe thought it could be conceptually, but I called it fringe starter better backup. Just and in some ways that's because the, the, there's some offense first guys here, and again as you said the one way, but the one way isn't good enough. Um, my group, so I have Kleba and Vucevic down here, and Looney. We've those three we've already discussed. I have three more: Alpern Shengu, Daniel Gafford, and Anyeka Kongwu. I think those three guys. To me, there's there's enough going on with them that I have them above. The next group I have is like high end reserves, guys that are definitely part of your rotation that you can lean a lot on. And I, I see more from a Kongwu, Shangun, and Gafford. Like Gafford has been a capable rim protector most of the last three years. That uh, you know they have their flaws, but I think you can they could be a part of a successful team. Yeah, no arguments uh, with those guys. I think Shangun offensively like could look really good. Like, he's probably top five as a passer. We noted his playmaking usage. The, their offense has reached semi-respectability at times with him out there, which it hasn't uh, at any other times. But he's he's pretty bad defensively still. Like I think he could be a little bit better than like a Nas Reed or a Christian Wood or a Valanciunas, but not much. We also haven't seen him on a real team yet. So I'm actually going to move him down into this uh, offensive backups group, at least for now. Like okay. he's been starting, but that was my next group. I have like a tier, two tiers that are like kind of the same of like offensive backups and defensive backups um so the other guys that i have in this group i'll second all yours uh yusuf nurkic still have him here oh i have him a tier above he's in my 17 to 24 oh excuse me. okay and then uh I, I i actually screwed this up i should have put jared vanderbilt still in power forwards we did this a little while ago i think actually before when i actually classified everyone it might have been before the trade to the lakers and i think that solidified for me that he really is a power four like he can't he's not really a center defensively and that's kind of ultimately the issue like he kind of failed in that role a little bit in utah and also like you just want him defending out on the floor more like he can't really play in like a drop coverage as a center so he really needs to be in power forward so hopefully i will remember to make that change but if he were a center he would be in this group for me and then still an isaiah stewart believer his rim protection numbers haven't been that good this year i mean i don't know how much time he's actually gotten to spend playing center let me see if i what basketball reference has to say about that i don't always agree with their positional definitions but a lot of the year he's been starting next to uh, another center he's had to just kind of stand outside and shoot threes which he's actually taken four for 36 or so now actually 5.2 threes for 36 making 33 percent okay uh he is yeah 46 percent power forward 55 percent center according to basketball reference i'm not sure if he plays with marvin bagley who the center is considered in that alignment but he's probably if he plays next to duran or wiseman probably considered the power forward he has to play the next wiseman much but i i just i think he's got some switchability i think he can be a better rim protector than he's shown this year the shooting is kind of interesting to me so i i still believe on a real team he could be a lot better i had him in the next group down but wrote could be higher like i i'm I see your case and you're, you are generally a little bit higher on Isaiah Stewart. But yeah, I mean, I, I hope I hope we get that opportunity. But un- unfortunately, we're probably not going to see too much of him in center in the next year or so because they have two traditional centers that are going to get a lot of opportunity. So this is pretty crazy here. Isaiah Stewart, rookie year, 2.1 blocks for 36 minutes. Last year, 1.5. This year, 0.8. And a lot of that is where on the floor he's playing. Yeah. And his offensive rebounding is uh, also down by about 35% or so um who else we need to hit on here 
I think I'm kind of getting to the point where we can just start listing guys. And if there's anyone you want to really want to chime in on. Um, I, I think someone that we owe it to ourselves to discuss is Valanchunas. And so I have him in the higher end reserves category that covers 31 to 42. I don't separate offense, defense like you do. I just kind of throw them all in one big old pot. And Valanchunas, he's still pretty, he's still very good at the things that he does well. It's just that those aren't enough to carry you offensively and his defense is a big problem. So I I wouldn't have him starting on a team that has any aspiration. No, I agree with you. And, and the offense hasn't been as effective as, I mean, the superficial numbers are about the same, but just I haven't felt him the same way this season. The whole three-point shooting thing hasn't really emerged enough to where it really matters. So yeah, I had him in this kind of offensive backups category. I'll throw a few, a few more out there if you want to talk about any of them, let me know. Christian Wood, Nas Reed, and these are all guys who have adequate offense for the position but just are not good enough defensively to be starters uh mason plumley although he's not really that great on offense <laughs> I have Plumway a tear down. But probably better on, uh, you know, he's still a body out there. Uh, Mo Wagner shooting a, a fair number of threes this I, year. I, I have Wagner down because of his defense. I, I, I think he's... Yeah, but like the numbers of like when he's on the floor actually are not that bad. Like I, I realize that the, the rim protection numbers are not kind to him, but that's why he's kind of like an offensive backup too, right? I mean, like his, your, his defense is better. I would like him just by, like I probably like his defense as, as well as like a Bobby Portis. I like Portis's offense more um, personally, but yeah, again, we're uh, having these next two tiers for me. Yeah. This was the hard, like, I'm not going to say the hardest decision because I don't know how much it quote unquote matters. Like, I mean, some of these guys do have contracts, but in the, in the way of like, yeah, do I like, I don't know, Kelly Olenek yeah. more than Mike Muscala? I do, but yeah, yeah, I had, I had a link, a link in the, the group above, uh, just cause I do think, I think his offense is better than Olenek. maybe actually he should probably get it down, but although Olenek can at least play power forward on offense, which I don't know if a lot of these guys can, but yeah, I'm going to move him down. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm reminded of all these guys. I mean, this is. 23 24 guys i have as either these offensive or defensively focused backups and i'm just reminded of uh, my daughter who's uh, 11 months old now has this basket of blocks and balls and stuff and so every day she just like takes that off the shelf and just like dumps the entire contents onto the ground when we're playing together and that's like kind of how i feel i want to just describe all these guys <laughs> like they're just like you know some of them are square some of them are, are spherical but they're all just like kind of saying do we really have to talk about them that much that's kind of where i'm at it boy it is um one guy just because he's such a curiosity for me is precious chua like Mm -hmm. i i think that he has a, a kind of defensive potential that most of these players do not and let's call it a curiosity offensively but the curiosity offensively is not necessarily a positive in fact it often is not um yeah his three-point shot is abandoned him he also had the injury this year which I yeah think is kind but of but like for me if we're talking about players who can theoretically move beyond this co- this conversation i think that he actually is fairly high on that list there is a there is a way that that could happen there is of course for isaiah stewart too who you have in a higher group than this um and if and a few others yeah so finishing out my offensively focused group here portis is in there mike muscala is in there some of these guys just can't play that many minutes like physically either uh willie hernan gomez i think actually like why is he worse than valanchunas other than the fact that he makes the minimum and valanchunas makes 15 million like i think i actually might like hernan gomez more as an offensive player at this point uh chemezi metu i had in this group uh, he's got a little more defensive versatility uh can do some stuff off the dribble good 
good finisher. He's you know kind of on the line between a four and a five. His three point shooting hasn't really been featured this year. When he has taken him, he hasn't made him. Uh, Mo Bamba, so more of an offense focused guy. Dwight Powell, I have in this group. Jackson Hayes, I have in this group. Although he's kind of still hasn't ever been effective as a center, but I think he can be good offensively. Uh, Nick Richards, I had here too with the just his finishing and offensive rebounding, which is pretty relentless. And all these guys are kind of kind of pretty similar. Like some like Richards gives you a little more defense maybe than some of these guys, and a little bit less offense because he doesn't have the shooting rain. But yeah, Richards is someone I do think could move up possibly. Yeah, Richards could obviously like Jalen Duran, Jalen Williams. They're both young. They could potentially do the same. Yeah, Jalen Duran. I had you know I had him in the must discuss. I don't have him as a top fifty five center in the NBA. I I have Duran. I have Duran as I, I'm intrigued by some of his by some of his tools and kind of like how he can fit in rim protection. Of course, isn't fantastic. Did a whole fifteen and sixty segment on if you want a big Duran breakdown. I have him in the definitely in rotation, but not a starter. But I I think that is more just gaming it out. That if you you know he gets more development during this time and I, I like some of what he brings yeah he just can't execute defensively like I, I think he just would hurt really any team at this point like I, I if I were actually trying to win games like give me you know Xavier Tillman I, I have Tillman in a higher tier than him so yeah so Tillman Drew Eubanks Jericho Sims Andre Drummond Luke Cornett Paul Reed Christian Coloco can I interest you in any of these <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I do want to talk about Jalen Williams, actually, because he I'm interested to see if the Thunder do get into a play in type of situation, what it'll look like for him defensively as a pick and roll defender. Like he doesn't have a ton of athleticism. He definitely, you know, this whole charges thing is great. He rebound uh, offensively. I thought he would be terrible, but I didn't realize he's going to be this like really good three point shooter. Like that's he, he's found himself a role there. He can pass some. So if he could hold up defensively, I'm just not sure what that looks like other than the charges at this point. But obviously he's been part of a decent defense he hasn't played that many minutes yet but he's been starting for them and i think earned that and he definitely has been a threat from three where he's been getting guarded out there now so he, he could be interesting i think ultimately he's going to be too slow or unathletic for me to really buy him a, as more than a backup on a really good team due to his defense but i mean he is that kind of smart guy where it sometimes he just plays better than his physical tools um anyone else i mentioned that you're like jones into disgust i have a few a, a list of guys that i wanted to hit on that we haven't I, mentioned yet um i don't know that i want to spend a lot of time on him but i have jock landale in this group i mean i always am cautious of players even if chris paul's not the same guy that he was before but sun centers can can often get kind of bumped around in this but he's had a good year so i wanted to give him some credit yeah well and biombo too biombo has actually yes. been one of the best rim protectors in the league it's just his offense is so fucking bad uh watching there's this period in the second quarter in the warriors game last week where both sides seemed very content for biombo to take hook shots against a mismatch i think the warriors ended up winning that trade-off uh, but yeah i, I think biombo's offense is so bad that i don't quite have him in this in this defensive backups group i probably should throw him in there like, as good as he's been he, he uh, and landale if his three-point shooting was really a weapon then maybe i could kind of have him in that muscala type of role i don't think he gives you m- enough defensively though unless he's spacing the floor and offensively i think he's kind of a, a little bit below average as an athlete to finisher so I, I think of him as more of a third stringer at center fair enough but the, he's also an in 
indication of why you don't want to go crazy looking for a backup center because like he's given them credible play at times here um thomas bryant we haven't mentioned at all he, he's got to go in that offense backup screw me i think uh his shooting has probably been a little underutilized this year but finishes very well around them and this is a guy who's having his had 30 point games this year and like that that's enough to be a, a backup it's just he's so bad but, real bad so, yeah so, I, I, so are a lot of these guys they are um Duran, we talked about already you know mantras harrell has been in and out of the rotation with paul reed but he doesn't quite have the same explosiveness to me and he's as bad as ever defensively <laughs> so i i consider him more of a third center type at this point i, I want to yeah I, just briefly it's more to put a pin in him for future years usman garuba i still believe in his yeah. defense and wanted to mention him yeah if we're gonna put biombo out there i think we got to put garuba out there too hey shooting uh 53 from downtown baby 38 attempts but still um yeah he's another guy who i think on a different team could actually look very bad like he's got some switchability like he protects the rim he's got good hands just what the hell does he do on, on offense is the question mark williams Mm-hmm. liked what i've seen from him offensively just not quite comfortable enough within the system yet where i i mean i guess he could be a backup i i just don't know enough about him yet like that's that's part of the problem with some of these rookies and, and Duran, you could say that too that it's it just it, Duran is a larger sample than mark williams but i'm just like yeah i i just like i think maybe mark williams could be as good as like some of these names that i've mentioned for sure but well i think for sure he could be that that's a this indication we need to end the podcast very shortly but just not having enough of a sample yet there are some of these guys i'm comfortable with at this level i'm not sure on a good team of mark williams being in rotation isaiah jackson he's been like struggling to hold on to a rotation spot at times this year i like isaiah jackson i actually have him in the yeah, higher end reserve category yeah it just he still remains more of a theoretical guy not as efficient as you'd want on offense the shooting is still again theoretical too thin like yeah he can switch in theory but the nuts and bolts rim protection isn't great yeah just not consistent enough i would say on both ends that again i'm like i want him in my rotate like for i think like jalen williams is way better or like drew eubanks is way better than him drummond like i, I would like all those guys like clearly so that's why i don't have him this year uh okay let's do uh risers and fallers here biggest risers for you i think that list has to start with demontis Sabonis. And he has, of course, absolutely earned earned that differentiation. Um, let's see, where did I have him last year? I had I had Demontis Sabonis in the seventeen to twenty seven group last year, and now he is in yeah. my five to ten group. Yeah, I had him eighteenth last year as well. And yeah, I mean, I don't know that he's even that much different of a player, but maybe maybe he was always this guy and just needed this amazing king system. But like, this is the first year that I've been like, oh yeah, this guy is really pushing a team to play like elite offensive basketball and so maybe that was ranking him too low maybe we are just ranking him too high now in his best situation a lot of people would say he was too low last year and he's still too low this year and you're just sticking to your priors too much or whatever uh chris Porzingis really has improved as well remember he was coming off injury again last year he couldn't make a three he'd just gotten traded to washington so he's a big riser for me he's now in the five to nine range uh coming off of being 16 last year a lot of guys have moved up actually i mean some of these guys have moved down but i don't think they're even really playing much worse um nick claxton's a big riser i had him yeah i had him in the 28 to 43 group and now he's in 11 to 16 that's huge 
yeah, I I mean, I was felt the same about Claxton as just like a starter in a pinch type of guy. Now he's been uh, in the fringes of the defensive player of the year conversation. Let's see who else has moved up a little bit. AD was new this year, so he, that kind of pushed some guys around. Brooke Lopez. Uh, yes. Remember, he was just coming off the back injury at this time last year. This is his age 34 season, maybe now having his best year. So I had him in the 11 to 16 group, moved him up into the 5 to 9 this year. And who else is up? Well, obviously, Walker Kessler. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wendell Carter Jr. is up five places for me. Stephen Adams just uh, mm-hmm. had had him more in the low end starter group. Now it's more the solid starter group for him. I moved Horford up in part. You know he's had he has had a nice twelve months, including the playoff run last year and then this year. But yeah, I had him uh, almost exactly the same this year as last year. A lot of guys who've fallen off though. I mean, I'm <laughs> trying to think if there's anyone else who's really moved up this year. Um, Hartenstein, I think I came ar- ar- around to him a little bit. Nah, he was still like in the same, pretty much the same tier last year. All right, what about fallers? I think we have to start with Rudy Gobert. I had Gobert last year third in tier two, and now he's in the seven. Uh, sorry, he's in the eleven to sixteen range. That is a massive fall in number, but more in terms of your importance to your team. That is, and, and honestly, if you were going to rate him just on how he's played this year, he might even deserve to be low. Potentially, yes. And so, like, I mean, Towns by so I had two guys at three and four in a tier by themselves. Towns moved from four to the five to ten group, and Gobert moved way further down. So they're both pretty significant fallers. DeAndre Ayton, I had yeah. in the six to ten group last year, and now he's in eleven to sixteen. But I feel like he's kind of again, like you brought up with Gobert. If we were building it solely on this year, he would be further down than that. Um, but with eight and the difference is he's younger um, and there are reasons to believe that he could at least conceptually do that. I actually had Robert Williams in the six to 10 group last year and yeah. he's just partially availability, partially how he's played when he's been available this year. You know, the, after the playoffs last year, I felt even better about that rating, but now we've gotten a little bit more, a little bit more there. So that's, that's always hard. That's always disappointing. Um, Pirtle and Capella are down sure. in like five, six places for me. Valanchun I had an 11 to 16 last year, and he is not an 11 to 16 now. Oh, yeah. You and I really disagreed on him. I had him uh, in the lower end starter group in the 20s last year. Uh, Mitchell Robinson has moved up uh, some for me. Um, he has stayed almost exactly the same for me. Yeah. Christian Wood is a decliner for me. I always wondered whether he was just an offensive guy that would never be good enough defensively to start. And now I know for sure that's, <laughs> that's my we don't need to dwell uh, on him, yeah. but Rashawn Holmes is a pretty severe follower. JaVale I mean, McGee, too. Yeah, JaVale McGee. I mean, Hassan Whiteside hasn't even played in the league this year, and I had him in the 28 to 43 range. Yeah, I don't know that that's like a talent thing necessarily, but yeah, I guess you can't be ranked. You're probably a follower if you're no longer in the league. Robin and, Lopez, who I thought like he just hasn't been that same guy. You know, last year was kind of weirdly conceptual because that Magic team wasn't as good as this year's Magic team. Yeah, he keeps going places where he just doesn't have any minutes <laughs> available for him. And, oh, you know who we didn't mention at all? I don't know what. Did I just forget to write him down? Yeah, I did. I fucked this up. Uh, Zach Collins. Oh, 
I, I actually have Zach Collins as like a low end starter. I think Collins. I think Collins was in the. I think it was in my power forward rankings. Let me see. Uh, well, he just he was basically just coming back from like two years injured this time. Oh no, I'm talking about. Oh yeah, yeah. I get what you're saying. Yeah, not John Collins. Zach. Yes, I know. Um, but Zach Collins, his three point shooting is getting a little interesting. He is at three point five per thirty six, making thirty nine percent. It's not a huge sample. Uh, showing a little bit of post up ability not but actually 21 percent usage and the rim production numbers are not terrible for him obviously the spurs team is a joke this year but he's he was always a good rim protector in portland as well and just really struggled with fouls that's still an issue 5.1 per 36 but uh and he's stayed healthy 57 games like i think is hopefully his issues are behind him and if this three-point shooting is at all real and he gives you some good rim protection like that's that's an intriguing player that, that could be a low answer I still want to see more, um, but I understand where you're coming from there. And I'm thrilled that he's been able to play roughly 1,300 minutes already this year. Most likely to move up next year. There's a part of me that wants to say Walker Kessler. Um, for me, Wendell Carter, probably just because I'm, I've been, I'm holding back a little bit with him. Um, and DeAndre Ayton certainly has potential to get back to where he was at the end of last year. Carl Anthony Towns, you know, if he just comes back and he played the way he played last year, you know, you would have to move him back up and close to the top five. I don't think he'd be over Bam again, but he would be higher than he is now. Um, let's see. You know, Alperin Shingun, he could just have a breakout season next year. One of the Isaiahs. I'm I'm guessing it I, I'm not completely sure that either of them will. I mean, we'll see what role Xavier Tillman has on the Grizzlies. It's possible that he gets that opportunity. He's just so bad on offense, though. He is. I, I do really like his defense. I really I really wish he could have built on some of that shooting promise that he showed earlier. But yeah, his, his defense is free. He was guarding Kawhi <laughs> in that uh, that game they played against the Clip recently when they were totally shorthanded. I, I hope one of the non-Kessler rookies can take a real step forward. It's definitely possible. Um, and then I think we'll see some players, you know, especially some of the defensive guys that I like, move into some those higher tiers you know i don't know whether it's like garuba or achua for me zach collins could of course do that too like there's a place yeah, for those Coloco guys. is another guy that i sure. like to so some of these guys just aren't gonna have the opportunity like isaiah stewart i'm retired i'm gonna we're gonna have the exact same conversation next year unless he gets traded about how he played every minute next to during and, uh, and honestly even if he does get traded the sample size would be too small you know i was actually uh, a kongu went down for me this year and i just thought the rim protection just some of the flashes that he'd shown in more limited minutes i was choosing to believe in that and it hasn't necessarily come true this season fallers i mean god forbid it could be rudy gobert like what if he's just really on the downside i hope that doesn't happen he could also move up actually next year that's that's a possible yeah, he could um, um yeah we'll see with sabonis like again the the idea that offense offense centric centers it's always really tough for them i'm interested in how he looks how shangun looks a year from now Brooke Lopez has defied this year, defied so many different things. And I yeah. it, like there, there's always that risk with the center in his mid thirties. That contract is going to be a fascinating one. I mean, another year, if, if Yaka Pirtle has another year that his rim protection numbers are, are, are shaky or bad, like then, then I'm going to start really moving him down. He's starting to find his rhythm a little bit. I, think. I agree. But like, it's, a, you know, like the, the guy, like it, when something is tethered primarily on, pr- on prior years, that's something that I always, I always think is, is potentially 
primed for regression. All right, I think we're done here. This is fun. As always, always some good debates when it comes to the center position. Got one more position left, and then we got top 10 players in the NBA. Not sure exactly when we're going to get you all this. We're not even sure where we're getting you this one, (laughs) come to think of it, uh, because we may run this in, in a few days. But thanks so much for being a subscriber, and we'll talk to you all next time. We understand it can be difficult to keep up with the conversation, catch every single player, every single spot in the rankings. So one thing we do for our Dunked On Prime subscribers is make available a list of every player that Nate and Danny just ranked. So if you want to get that, if you want to get the other position rankings, including the list for all of those, if you want to get the stats Nate and Danny consulted, including the Seth Partnow exclusive stats, you can subscribe to Dunked On Prime at dunkedon.supportingcast.com. .fm. That's dunkedon.supportingcast.fm. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.